Hello and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast brought to you by Arrow ECS to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts facing the IT industry today. In this upcoming special series, our friends from the Arrow On Point podcast show will be taking over bandwidth as Izzy and her guests begin to look in depth at the Internet of Things market, specifically what's happening in the world of smarter cities and smarter manufacturing. We hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, please leave a review or a rating on your preferred podcast platform. It helps others find us. So without further ado, it's over to Izzy. Most people live in the present, the world of now, but a handful of us work in a unique world that doesn't quite exist yet, the world of five years out. This episode is coming from Arrow's Internet of Things department. My name is Izzy Bonasso. I'm new to Arrow and I'm new to the Internet of Things, so I'm ready to explore, inform myself while informing you, and keep us all looking forward and learning. Welcome to another episode of Arrow on Point. We are continuing our series with another appearance by Matthew Bailey. Last time on the show, Matthew gave us a great foundation for understanding the Internet of Things with a very positive outlook of our future with smart technologies. Today, we'd like to take a closer look at that future to understand how we can create a lasting impact that balances social, environmental, and financial needs. I'd like to welcome Matthew Bailey back to the show for round two. How's it going, Matthew? It's going great, Izzy. Great to be here. and Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to have you. So I gave a little bit of an intro, but I'd love to hear your take on a triple bottom line mindset. Sure, absolutely. So um, if, we, if we look back in history with the Industrial Revolution, where we invented manufacturing and we used coal to drive big business and industry, which transformed society... And then if we move forward maybe to the, 20, the late 20th century, the 21st century, and maybe beyond, you know, that's going to be driven by a different type of energy. Society's going to look different. We're going to be more mindful around the environment, more mindful around social equality. So how do we transform between the past and the future? And that's where the triple bottom line mindset comes in. It's a modern-day transformational mindset where business and government is driven not just by revenue anymore, but also around the stewardship of the environment and also around an inclusive kind of society where everybody's participating and everybody's having fun. Sounds like a good society. I think we should break it up into um, IoT and smart cities, the way they affect society, Um, the environment and finances. So I know you have a very positive view of the future when it comes to social structure that includes community-driven mindset and is built around empowerment. So in terms of quality of life, health, education, safety, how do smart cities make a societal impact? That's a great question. So, So smart cities are really the transformational piece from kind of the old mindset, which is heavy industry, poor environmental responsibility and not very good social inclusion to where we have more of a equal society where people are participating where we're stewarding the environment responsibly where we're coping with 
an increased population around suburbia. And so smart cities are the transformational piece into this next revolution or evolution of society. And so IoT allows us to give better healthcare. Well, how does it do that? Well, we've seen Fitbit, and that's a very early stage kind of biometric monitoring for the human to make sure that our, our biological systems are healthy and working well and, and being exercised, but also healthcare in the home where we're monitoring the kind of air we're breathing, we're monitoring this to make sure there's no CO in the atmosphere that may poison us from fires that have not been serviced, to ensure that, um, that our bodies are functioning correctly, that in the case of an emergency, maybe because someone hasn't opened the fridge for 24 hours, that an emergency may go off just to check in to make sure that person's okay. So healthcare in the home is really, really important, and particularly with hospitals, where they were designed for acute healthcare, like giving birth and things like that. They're now doing long-term healthcare, and that's stressing the systems, the economic systems, and the healthcare systems in hospitals. And so when we can bring long-term healthcare to the home, where the home is monitoring the health of the individual, where we're having doctors in videos live sessions with patients where they can look at their biometrics and ensure everything's okay. It's kind of where healthcare can not only lessen the burden on the financial systems that the hospitals are managing, but also people like being at home rather than in a hospital. So everybody kind of wins with looking at healthcare. When we look at uh, public safety, you know, is it, I was on a panel uh, this week and someone mentioned that in the 1960s, 1970s, we used to give our children a long, long sort of rope to go and play and have fun. And now that rope's been really kind of wound in because people are paranoid about some of the horrible atrocities that can happen to children. And I think IoT and sensors and, and, and applications can allow us to allow our children to go and explore and play because that's important for their development. But at the same time, just monitoring and ensuring that they're okay. And in the case of, of any kind of troubling scenario, that the emergency services are called there very quickly uh, and our children are kept safe. So those are some of the, some of the examples. Um, <clears throat> you know, cities have to be competitive. You know, with all these people, uh, 3 billion, additional 3 billion people moving in around suburbia by 2050, Colorado if the actuary is to be believed, will double its population by 2050. You know, we have to... That, that's going to put a lot of stress on public services, but also it's going to make cities have to be more competitive to bring in the people uh, to live there. And so things like air quality is going to be important. Our environment dictates our health. Uh, 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 good water to the home is going to also be important, high-quality water. So as cities become competitive, it's not just about great transportation, a great live, work and play experience, but it's also around a great environmental experience as well for everybody that's in a city. Well, you made a great transition into our next topic, which was how do we steward the environment responsibly? Um, how can IoT help us take care of the environment to provide the best future for our younger generation? So... We have to steward the environment responsibly. 
Um, we haven't done that um, really until now. We have the, the, uh, the literally every country in the world has signed up to the, the Paris Climate Agreement and even states within the US are signing up to that individually now. And I think that society recognises that we've only got one environment, we're in it together and we have to steward it together if we're all going to be here in the next 50 to 100 years or even longer. So how do we steward the environment responsibly? You know, Cape Town are facing a zero day, which is where the city runs out of water, or they limit it to a few litres per day per individual. And we're going to see more and more of this if we're not careful. So the Internet of Things, with these very, very cheap sensors that can be deployed throughout our environment, where we can monitor reservoirs, monitor uh, potable uh, uh, resources of water and ensure that water is delivered uh, uh, through distribution like pipes and things like that where we can detect leakage to ensure we're not losing water where we can ensure there's no pollution getting into the water and then as that gets distributed all the way to the home we can actually monitor the quality of water that's coming out of the tap so that everybody can know that they're drinking high quality water and so if there is a, 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 a scenario where maybe pollution has got into the uh, water supply chain, we haven't detected it, at the tap is where we detect it. And so that's quite an easy thing to do. And that's where IoT with these very cheap sensors can kind of help us in, in keeping ourselves safe and managing our water supply. Um, when it comes to things like air quality, well, once again, we can cheaply deploy these sensors in and around our cities to ensure, you know, basically, is there a high uh, kind of um, chemical in, in the air uh, at the moment that would uh, trigger kind of particular asthma conditions or particular conditions for children? So that gives mothers and fathers the chance to actually see in advance whether uh, there might be a scenario where children may be triggered by a condition and therefore they can take proactive uh, action. But more importantly what it also reflects as we measure air quality is kind of how responsibly are we using transportation in our cities? Um, how, how effective are the uh, carbon emission um, policies that are being put onto the cars uh, in terms of their emissions? How effective are they being? And so monitoring our, our, our air is very, very important because that's what we breathe, right? Um, but also it gives us insight to where there may be issues around air quality and allows us to take action. Absolutely. And when we're talking about the environment, we're talking about a lot of not only cities working together, but the whole world, countries as well. Right. Um, <laughs> do you foresee that, that collaboration um, as going well in the future or will it, will it not happen? So I think we need to look at this in a couple of ways. I think what we're seeing, Izzy, is uh, our mayors, governors of states, municipalities and regions and cities all collaborating together to say, you know, if we want to stay relevant, we need to uh, draw people to us and commerce to us, then we need to basically be competitive. And the environment is definitely a competitive edge that any city or any region can leverage to become a thriving location. And so we're seeing a lot more collaboration 
um, between at the local level between government to to work together to create a great environment for people to come to and for businesses to come to. Um, on the global scale, you know, we talked about systems being interconnected on the last uh, podcast. And pollution in China affects pollution in America. Pollution in America affects pollution in Europe and elsewhere. And, and so um, what we have to do is, is to look at this and accept that this is a global system that we have to all manage together and start working to um, steward and to direct into something that's healthy for everybody. And that's why we're seeing um, reduction in carbon emissions being agreed to by um, the Paris Climate Agreement signatories. Um, but also that's why we're seeing things like solar energy, wind energy, uh, thermal energy, and other types of energy becoming popular because countries recognize that the, the kind of way that we've created energy in the past with coal and oil and others is not particularly good for the environment. You know, we extract it, that's really harsh on the environment. It can be distributed and it's lethal where it can cause, uh, where if it's an accident, things can ignite. Um, you know, there's an instance in Alberta, the province of Alberta, they, um, they're big in oil and gas and uh, they were shipping some bitumen across country and the train brakes failed. The bitumen train went off the track into a town and exploded and actually killed a lot of people. So when we use solar and wind and others, it's kind of an easy, kind of safe energy to plug into the grid with no transportation, and that's a good thing. So all of this sounds pretty great, but how do we fund it? Is it private sector, public sector, a little bit of both? So we're, what we're seeing now is a, is a recognition that new types of funding models have to emerge. So what we're seeing is local jurisdictions, states and um, cities take action to raise money for themselves. And that can be through a special type of bond, maybe a social bond, maybe a hybrid bond, uh, maybe a different types of bond to create cash flow in order to fund some of these smart city initiatives and help the cities to get ahead and be competitive. And so what we're seeing is an emergence of a new type of mindset around uh, investing called impact investing. Now, impact investing is very much around the triple bottom line mindset. Smart cities are around a triple bottom line mindset. So the two are very aligned. It's seen as a new mega trend for investing. What we're starting to see are a number of uh, um, traditional investment portfolios shifting into impact investing. I'll give you two examples. So over the next 20, 25 years, uh, between 40 to $60 trillion of philanthropy capital is going to be inherited by women millennials. And this money is triple bottom line focus. So what does that mean? They're looking to invest in businesses that will do well. But, but of equal importance are the measures and metrics around the environment impact of the business and how it's stewarded the environment well. And also around the social impact and how it's stimulating more social inclusion. So women millennials are about to become a powerhouse in impact investing. Moreover, we're starting to see the traditional 
kind of hedge funds even, as well as capital houses, start to invest in um, triple bottom line initiatives and businesses because actually they do economically better than the traditional portfolios they may have used in the past for success. And so what we're seeing now is an entire change in the mindset of all sorts of capital investment houses to invest in triple bottom line initiatives because they're recognizing, first of all, they make a lot more money. It's, it's really good marketing because it's sustainability, it's social inclusion. And so what we're seeing now is the, this investment is now forcing a transition in government and businesses to align its mindset to all this capital that's available. Speaking of our financial future, can you give us a preview of our next episode and talk a little bit about data as a currency? Oh, I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, so this is going to be an, an exciting future where every citizen can have a new currency through owning their data, which will empower society to not only be able to participate in the IoT revolution by owning their data, but also to use IoT services. Next time on Arrow on Point, we'll be exploring the latest and greatest enabling technologies. Don't miss it. Thanks, Izzy. See you later. If you're interested in learning more, visit Arrow.com or connect with us on Twitter at Arrow Global. Arrow Electronics, five years out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Arrow Bandwidth. If you'd like to hear more, please click and subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Arrow Global or learn more about us at our various websites, including www.arrow.com. Thanks for listening.